They called it Black Monday. No shit. Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Nick and Bush coming at you with another Black Monday episode. Uh, today we're talking rookies, not in Dynasty. We're talking rookies in redrafts. So we're talking, uh, we each brought three rookies to the table. Uh, these are our top three rookies that we're targeting in, in uh, redraft uh, leagues this year based on their ADP. So this isn't necessarily like the top three that we think are going to finish because then we both have like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, and like, I don't know, Cam Akers or something. I don't know. Either way, these are the best uh, values in our opinion, uh, for the first year players. So, uh, Nick, how you doing today? Doing good. Yeah. Happy to be back. Uh, was on a little vacation last week, so got a breather from this and life. It was much needed feeling replenished, ready to dive back into it. For sure. I'll hit the intro and then we'll get into it. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. All right, first up on the docket is DeAndre Swift. Okay, here's the start for DeAndre Swift. He's super fucking talented. He's the most talented running back in his backfield. That's number one. That usually helps. Uh, he nearly had first-round draft capital. He was the pick 203. He was barely a second-round pick. Um, and the Lions in general, they ran uh, 26 run plays uh, per game, which was like about league average. So uh, to me, that was a little surprising because when I think of the Lions, I think of like them as like a passing team because they have like Stafford and whatnot. And their defense was horrible last year, so I figured they passed it a lot more. But, uh, I mean, 26 run plays a game, that's enough for Swift to get 14 to 16 carries, KJ to get 10 to 12 carries or whatever. Um, here's a big question for me. on Johnson averaged 3.6 yards per carry uh, last year, and he only had 1.9 targets per game. And he can't stay healthy also. And he's, like, our big concern for DeAndre Swift, like why we're not, like, drafting him, like, in the third, fourth round. Uh, when Damian Williams averaged 4.5 yards per carry, averaged 3.4 targets per game, and he nearly won the Super Bowl MVP, and he doesn't concern us at all for Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, to me, it just seems <laughs> it, it seem like they should be on a level playing field, especially considering I think it's just because Clyde Edwards-Helaire was a first-round pick, even though he literally went four spots before – DeAndre Swift it, it just like for whatever reason the first round pick thing just gets it into your mind but uh no one is really in on KJ this year I don't know anyone who's like fading Swift and like taking carry on Johnson so I mean to me like it it, it seems kind of shocking to me that Swift is going off at the 504 because no one's in on carry on Johnson I love his value especially if he's like your third or fourth running back we've I mean, we've preached it uh, already uh, going running back early and stuff. If you get Swift as your third, fourth running back, like you don't even have to start him at that point, right? So you could wait, I don't know, two to three, four weeks if you need to uh, while he, he and carry on battle it out. Yeah, I DeAndre Swift, like I play a lot of Debbie leagues and he's been kind of like the crown jewel for <laughs> years now. You know, it's been like, oh, dude, DeAndre Swift's coming, you know? And then now he finally gets to the NFL draft. He gets taken in the high second round, literally, yeah, I think 
three picks after Edward Hilaire goes, you know, in the second round. And we kind of look at it like a bad thing. I don't know. I took him in a rookie draft and I felt weird about it. And I'm like, why did I, he's so good. Why do I feel weird about taking DeAndre Swift? I should be stoked. Uh, and it is weird because Carryon Johnson, I really liked Carryon Johnson last year. I think that's what it is. Like I really thought he was going to be great. And then he wasn't, he got injured. He didn't play very well. And uh, he can't stay on the field. They also – he was a second-round pick. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think I'm with you. I've, I've been seeing uh, Ray Garvin as well on Twitter talking a lot about DeAndre Swift. and He's all over him. Uh, I, you're all over him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in on Swift. Yeah, and uh, anyone who watched our draft live stream knows I hate DeAndre Swift just because he ruined a trade that I made. I traded the 101 for uh, Carryon Johnson and Debo Samuel. Rip Debo Samuel, too. Uh, yeah. just happened. So I traded the 101 in one of my leagues for carry on who was alone in the backfield at that point and Debo Samuel. I was like, Oh yeah, two veteran running backs for like an unknown, like rookie who's probably like, I didn't know it was going to be Edwards Lair or, or Taylor at the time. And, um, yeah, I got screwed so hard when they took Swift. Yeah. Um, that's was that's like a two bummer. Days before the draft that I did that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, for Swift, I expect him to compete 50-50 with Carrion, to be honest, to start uh, to start training camp. But Swift is better in all facets. He's a better receiver. He's a better runner. He's um, I don't know about pass protection necessarily. I think they're both kind of like it's kind of just a cancel uh, situation. But he's more durable, which is which is the important thing for me. And it seems like Carrion Johnson's kind of in the doghouse. Like they draft they draft a, a, like an early second round running back. Uh, it, it definitely can't be a good thing for carry on Johnson in terms of what they think of him. So I, I think Swift is going to get the, like the crack at the job. They're going to like want him to win the job outright against carry on Johnson and carry on Johnson has said himself that he's a committee back. He said that coming out of school and I expect him to be a committee back like a 10 to 12 touch guy. I think he's still going to be involved. I don't think he's going away, but I think Swift can, can excel in like a 15 to 20 touch role. Yeah. Yeah, I think I like Swift in that role. It's kind of what he did in college. Um, I think, though, I think over the long run, I don't trust Carrion to stay healthy. I think this year there is so much upside in Swift. Um, yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, I, I, I could see a Camara-like role. A lot of people compared him to Camara. I, I didn't really see that. I, I compared him to D'Angelo uh, Williams, actually. But, um, yeah, I, I know a lot of people brought up the Alvin Kamara comparison just because he's, he's, he's slippery. That's kind of why he, he's a little Alvin Kamara-like. So if, he, if he's in that kind of role that Kamara was in his rookie year when Mark Ingram was in the backfield, I could definitely see Swift um, performing well in that role. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that as far as the productions this year. I don't think play style, I don't think he's like Kamara at all. No, I don't uh, either. But the, the elusiveness yeah. in, the, in the balance is basically what totally. I, I could kind of see about it. Totally. Um, I could see that. Uh, okay, I'm going to roll into my first guy now. This is this is the obvious one out of my three. It's Cam Akers. I just kind of want to talk about Cam Akers because I've I've kind of just been in his fan club for a long time. You know, he coming into college was a quarterback, actually, uh, and he shifted over to running back. He was a five-star prospect. He was like the guy. You know, everybody was taking him. He was going like top five in Debbie drafts. Not even, he hadn't even played it down in college. Okay, so he goes to Florida State. Uh, he gets a thousand yards his freshman year and uh, kind of disappoints sophomore year, junior year crushes again, you know, like literally last year, people were talking about him potentially being an undrafted free agent. Um, and then now enter this year, uh, he lived up to his potential. I mean, second round goes to the Rams, the Rams clearly, I mean, everybody knows they lost Gurley and last year their line was atrocious. 
uh acres in college dealt with one of the worst lines like bottom three lines there's a lot of schools in college to be bottom three uh is rough uh, power five school that. yeah yeah I, I i don't know how it happened but it happened uh he still went for over a thousand yards you know caught 70 passes over his college career he's a bell cow you know 217 uh pounds anyway so really his only competition this year is potentially daryl henderson Malcolm Brown, uh, Daryl Henderson last year had a 14% snap share. He got 39 carries the entire year, had like 139 yards on 39 carries. It, it was it was really bad. And I liked Daryl Henderson a lot, but even if he gets touches, I don't think there's any way he's more than a change of pace back. And Malcolm Brown, I actually think is maybe the bigger worry early on, just based on kind of like goal line carries and things, but he's Malcolm Brown. You know, we've seen what he can do. Cam Akers getting on the field, he's going to be explosive. He's going to be big. He's going to be fast. If there's just a little bit of improvement, really, from Jared Goff, I think that's the linchpin in all of this. Uh, Cam Akers can be a league winner. You know, that's what I'm going for. I was looking at his ADP. I was looking at the FFPC, so it kind of shifts all over. It's more best ball. Yep. He's dropped down, uh, you know, to the middle of the fifth round. I, uh, I like Cam Akers all day in the middle of the fifth round. I think by – Week three, week four, he's got a 60% snap, or snap share, touch share, everything. And, uh, yeah, I think he can win you the league. I really do. Yeah, the interesting thing, I, I researched Gurley um, basically saying that he was going to be a bust in Atlanta because um, how many red zone carries he got. That's a lot of vacated red zone production for Cam Akers to step into. And if, he, if he's able to do that, if he's able to take over the, the Gurley role, quote-unquote, I don't think – McVeigh, I think he kind of learned from like having a full fledged bell cow. I do think Henderson and, and Malcolm Brown will be involved a little bit to uh, to spell Cam Akers, but I mean Akers, I wasn't as high on Akers. Like to be honest, like uh, talent wise, I thought he didn't really know what he was doing. Like he kind of just when he ran the ball, he would just kind of out athlete everyone, which I think will get him in trouble in the NFL. But I could be wrong. Like I like there's there's a chance he's he's better than I think he is and he's definitely got the opportunity in front of him is, is my point really. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, this, this is the moment you've been waiting for. This is my Henry Ruggs take right here. Everyone knew it was coming. Six rookies to target. It's the name of this video. You knew Henry Ruggs was going to be one of my targets. Okay. Henry Ruggs. I I'm going to put this on the screen right now. Cause I called this. Um, I, I think the Raiders are going to love this dude. Apparently they threw on Josh Jacobs tape last year and were sold just on his ability as a blocker for a small receiver. Ruggs gets his nose in there in the run game. Also, I tweeted that January 20th. So they drafted him. I, I said, the Raiders are going to love him. They did. And for anyone who's, who still has the stigma in their head that Henry Ruggs is John Ross. I'll put this clip on the screen right now and tell me if John Ross was doing that at Washington. Perfect. All right. Kate, now that we've got that settled, the kid's character and work ethics off the charts. He's a five-star recruit with a walk-on mentality is the way that Mike Mayock described him after they drafted him. Uh, I highly suggest you watch his road to the pros um, videos because you just see how good of a kid he is, which is, I mean, how is that relevant for fantasy? It's important. It, it helps him in real football, which helps him in fantasy. So fantasy time. In 2006, there was a veteran receiver in Tampa Bay uh, under Coach Gruden, who boasted the same type of speed as Henry Ruggs. It was Joey Galloway. Joey Galloway was 34 years old when he entered Tampa Bay. These are Joey Galloway's stats. He was pretty much only a downfield threat. I was, I'm a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. I watched Joey Galloway play. He pretty much was just a downfield threat. He didn't actually like get any manufactured touches. 
in his age 34 season, he got 152 targets. And he had, I believe it was, yeah, 54% catch rate. So he wasn't very efficient with those targets. And in his age 35 season, he got 143 targets and had a 43.4 catch rate. So he wasn't efficient, yet he was still getting 140-plus targets. Henry Ruggs is a far more complete receiver than Galloway ever was. Galloway was always a deep threat, even his, his heydays in Seattle when he was first drafted. But let's just say he's a deep threat. Just That's his target potential if he's only a deep threat. He has 140-plus target potential. Now, I'm going to put this on the screen as well. These are the routes that Henry Ruggs ran at Alabama. If you notice, the go route, he was um, seventh in the class in terms of the amount of go routes he ran, the percentage of his route tree. And if you notice, his highest routes that he ran were screens and slants, which are close to the line of scrimmage. Basically, what I anticipate his role to be in the NFL is a guy who can stretch the field, yes, but he's also get, he also gets involved in the short game. He takes carries out of the backfield, jet sweeps, slants, screen passes, whatever. You take advantage of an elite receiver. Elite receivers have elite, uh, an elite receiver like Ruggs has elite run after the catch ability. He has elite speed. You get the ball in his hands and you let him go. 12th overall picks are not spent on someone who runs go routes every play. You don't spend a 12th overall pick when guys like CD Lamb and Jerry Judy are on the board either. They have a plan for Henry Ruggs. I expect him to get 100 plus targets his rookie year. And to quote Al Davis, he'd probably say something like, this is the greatest draft pick in the history of the Oakland Raiders or something like that. He'd probably say something like that if he, was, if he was alive today. So Ruggs, I mean, everyone knows him all aboard, but that's my case for him. It's basically that he's going to fill the Joey Galloway role in Gruden's offense. Yeah, I, uh, I love your case. Honestly, I love Ruggs more than uh, – I feel like he gets more hate even than he deserves. He was the first receiver. Like, are we going to make this mistake again? Hollywood played great last year. He went round one. He was the first per- person taken in the NFL for a reason. Ruggs crushes, man. He was uh, in an awesome offense. Everything he ever did was kind of produced. Yes, I don't like his kind of like breakout. I don't like kind of those numbers. But when you watch the dude play, I'm not a tape guy. But he's electric. He's got huge yep. mitts, like huge hands. Yeah. He can catch. He, it's ridiculous. He's super athletic. Uh, yeah, and I love the fit with the Raiders. Honestly, I I think it's a lot of people talk shit on the car fit. I uh, I think it's going to elevate him. Actually, yeah. I actually like I cars can, late. I can tell you that in Tampa Bay, when Joey Galloway was there, Derek Carr would have been by far a huge upgrade at quarterback from the guys that we had to deal with. Freaking late career Jeff Garcia and Chris Sims and shit. Like those guys were awful. Like Derek Carr's way better quarterback than those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That was a bad time for the Bucks quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. I like rugs. I also like uh, another wide receiver. Um, so the Vikings this year traded away Stephon Diggs uh, to the bills. They got another first round pick in return. Honestly, they, they got two first round picks. They kind of walked away with the whole war chest. And uh, the draft kind of fell to them, I think, the best way they could have asked for, you know, for their specific team needs in getting our, my man, Justin Jefferson. Uh, Justin Jefferson is kind of one of those guys. He broke out as a sophomore, honestly kind of old as a sophomore, you know, 20-year-old sophomore, red shirt, 800 yards, not super impressive. And then this last year, like pretty much everyone on LSU, just blew up, you know, 1,500 yards, dominated. It is concerning, you know, he was second fiddle to Jamar Chase. He was on an offense that literally couldn't be stopped. Uh, there is there is red flags there. Fortunately, uh, after that whole crazy season, he's checked every box since. Goes to the, you know, combine, 
dominates at the combine, is way more athletic than we thought he would be. He does everything properly, goes to the NFL draft, gets drafted in the first round, and picked by the Vikings to play with a quarterback who is perfect for him, in my opinion. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson is like literally a match made in heaven. I like Justin Jefferson to play out of the slot. I like him as a flanker, just like he's kind of redundant with Thielen is the only problem I see. Just I see Thielen as a slot and also a flanker. So I think, though, if they just kind of switch it up, Justin Jefferson is kind of like a younger, more athletic version of Adam Thielen. They can, you know, take him up the scene, see him kind of use him more. And especially this rookie year, their wide receiver, too, was Olabisi Johnson. That dude – if you you probably don't even know who he is you probably shouldn't know who he is uh no, you shouldn't. And really yeah herb smith jr is the only other guy that's got potential but he hasn't even broken out yet you know i uh i think it's all wheels up for justin jefferson for sure and you mentioned Thielen, and just just want to preface this so some people i i know everyone thinks just Thielen's a pure slot receiver he only played 29 percent of his routes from the slot last year to, mm-hmm. for for reference he was over 50 percent the previous two years before last year and he actually had a higher yards per route run from the outside last year too. So he's not like just a slot receiver. Like if you look at Cooper Cup's numbers, for example, uh, uh, outside versus inside, it's it's vastly different. So I, I do think they're going to give Justin Jefferson the um, the primary slot option. The only issue I have with Justin Jefferson is, I mean, I'm a tape guy too. So like, I, I just, I, I, I don't think he can play on the outside as rookie year personally. So I think he has to play in the slot as rookie year. So that makes me a little nervous, especially with the Vikings um, basically uh, switching to a kind of a 12 personnel type offense. Uh, but either way, I like the, the vacated production of Stefan Diggs. It's not all going to go to Adam Thielen. There's a chance that Justin Jefferson definitely takes it and runs with it. And I mean, besides Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook in the passing game, like there's really no other established weapons there. Yeah, and Dalvin Cook uh, potentially could hold out. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. Just uh, For me, where Justin Jefferson's being drafted, I, I love him. I actually love him way more in redraft than I do in Dynasty. In Dynasty, I'm actually targeting more guys like Ruggs and, and whatnot, like Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, all those guys. But in redraft, I love Justin Jefferson this year. Yeah, speaking of Jerry Judy, he is my next guy. So, I got both the Alabama receivers on my list. I know I love rugs, but if you told me right now that a, a wide receiver wins 2020 offensive rookie of the year, my pick would be uh, Jerry Judy is the, the winner of that award. And basically my, my thoughts are that he's so polished and pro ready. I wrote his write up for our draft guide. And I basically said, calling him a collegiate receiver is a joke because he's completely pro ready. He was a professional receiver, his freshman year, the way he runs routes and the way he makes DBs look stupid. Like, He's basically Devonte Adams, except we're not going to need to wait seven years for him to break out. Pat Shermer coming in is huge for Jerry Judy. I can't understate how big it is for Jerry Judy because I expect the Denver Broncos offense to look a lot like the 2017 Minnesota Vikings offense. The year that Case Keenum was the quarterback and the, and the Vikings went to the, uh, I believe it was the NFC championship and lost to the Eagles. Um, prior to November uh, 2nd, 2016, no one in their tree knew who Adam Thielen was. And the, what happened that day was North Turner resigned from uh, the Vikings and Pat Shermer took over as the OC in 2017, the undrafted free agent. Yes. Undrafted free agent, Adam Thielen, who is a very talented receiver, but is not as polished like, or as talented naturally as, um, as Jerry Judy is um, 
broke out. He broke, like he broke the fuck out. He was targeted 140 plus times out of the slot. He had over a 50% slot share, as I mentioned. The next two years, Pat Shermer eventually moved on to the New York Giants head coach uh, to become the New York Giants head coach, where Sterling Shepard averaged 115 yard, uh, 115 target pace and a 23% target share out of the slot. So, I mean, Sutton is there. Yes, I understand that. Sutton's a solid receiver, but Judy is a better prospect than Sutton was. And both guys operate in different areas of the field. Dig, like I said, Diggs and kind of Thielen uh, are the comparison. Diggs being Sutton, the big outside field stretcher guy, and uh, Thielen being the slot guy shifty over the middle. I expect both of them to have 110 to 140 targets each next year. They really don't have any other established weapons. Like Melvin Gordon is probably going to get some work in the passing game. Noah Fant, people are excited about, but I don't think he's going to be a high-volume tight end. I think he's going to be more of a big play guy. Um, I think Judy can get 110-plus targets his rookie year. I don't think it's outlandish to suggest he can. I think he's, of all the receivers I've ever watched come out of college, Amari Cooper is like the only one that I said, this guy's going to be a stud his rookie year. Yeah, Amari Cooper was a hog, and we should never forget that. Uh, Jerry Judy, as a prospect, is one of my favorites this year. I think as a prospect for me, I've got him above, above Ruggs. I've got him above Justin Jefferson. Really only CeeDee Lamb uh, tops him for me in the wide receiver department. I'm just very nervous kind of about – I love the like the tantalizing upside of the Denver Broncos. I, I love it. I love they added Melvin Gordon. I love that the coaching has kind of changed. I love that they've got Cortland Sutton. I, I love all of it. But I am just so scared that Drew Locke, is not going to be able to kind of dish the ball out and be able to, you know, carry everybody through fantasy. Uh, I do think that in the long run, Judy's going to crush though. Yeah. I really wish they would have brought in like some insurance on him, like bringing Jameis Winston or Cam Newton behind Drew Locke, just in case something goes wrong. But I mean, Drew Locke to be, to basically accomplish what I said that they could accomplish. He really only has to be as good as Case Keenum in 2017. So, I mean, Drew Locke to me, it's a guy who's literally started like six games, but he showed potential. And usually when you're a young quarterback, you're only as good as the weapons around you. His protection's good. He has one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. He has like one of the best young receivers in the NFL in Sutton. Another one in Judy, who I think, it, I don't think it's outlandish to suggest that. Hamler's a great field stretcher. Fant's a great field stretcher. Melvin Gordon's a great backfield. Lindsey's a great back. Like, I don't think it's pretty hard for him to fail, is my opinion for, for Drew yeah. Locke. I would agree. And uh, that's my hope. I, uh, I really love Judy. I want to see him shine this year. Uh, someone else I really love, and this is going to be kind of like a deep cut. You might not even have to draft this guy. He's probably going to be on waiver wires, but for a lot of you, you might not know who he is and knowing players when he breaks out in week one or gets snaps in week two, and you can be the first one to pick him up. I think it's very important. I'm talking about Devin Duvernay, a wide receiver out of Texas. So he went to the Baltimore Ravens. He got drafted in round three. He was a Texas track star, uh, only ran a 4.39 at the combine. I say only because when I heard about his like track starness, I thought he was going to be like, like rugs, you know, like yeah. high five, four twos and all this. But 4.39 and he plays. It's like when you watch the dude play, it is it, he just looks fast. He takes slants to the house. He's very he, he's explosive as hell. And uh, he's not the typical guy that I would usually like. You know, he didn't break out really until his final year in college. He had not really done anything up until then. Typically, I don't like that guy. 
something about Devin Duvernay has just gotten this gut feeling in me that he is going to break out all over the place this year. Basically, it's Hollywood. You know, Marquise Brown is really the only other person to compete with. Well, Mark Andrews, of course. But on the wide receiver depth chart, it's Hollywood. There's Miles Boykin and there's Willie Sneed. Miles Boykin has done nothing. Willie Sneed has not done anything since like six years ago with Drew Brees on the Saints. Willie Sneed is also like just a guy. I can't believe he's still starting for the Ravens. It's pretty crazy. So I see no way that Devin Duvernay doesn't come in and take over the slot role, which with Lamar Jackson, when he's scrambling, when he's trying to find a guy, I think Devin Duvernay can consistently get open. If he takes one slant to the house early on, he's got that spot locked in. And uh, I think uh, basically it's all like all aboard the train, Devin Duvernay for me. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm a huge Hollywood Brown guy this year. So I, I, I don't think, I don't think you can go wrong taking shots on guys that are in elite offenses and the Ravens scored the most points in the league last year. Yes. It was mostly as a rush, like rushing, but what happens if rushing regresses and they have to use the play action game more or whatever, like, their, their receivers weren't healthy last year, so that's probably why they ran the ball so much. If, if Marquise Brown could stay healthy and Devin Duvernay is something and Mark Andrews is still there, maybe they throw the ball more this year. Like you, Lamar Jackson, people are like, oh, he's, not, he's still not that good of a passer, but he also made a huge leap. What, who's to say he doesn't make another leap? Like He could become even better. Lamar Jackson's – he's fucking good. I just want to say that. Anyone who says he's not, I'm just – I'm over it. I'm sick of listening to it. He's an incredible quarterback. He in, in college, all he did was win the Heisman. All he did was throw touchdowns and run for touchdowns. Now in the, in the pros, what has he done? Ran for touchdowns, thrown for touchdowns, got the MVP. What needs to happen? I don't know. I yeah, don't get I, it. I don't understand uh, it either. I, I don't get it. And Hollywood is also a beast. I love Hollywood. I just for sure. Uh, I want to mention some honorable mentions. I'll let you do this as well. Some of these I didn't say because I've talked about them before. Some of them I just I, – I like these other guys better. But I love Michael Pittman Jr. too. Michael Pittman Jr. is in a prime opportunity slot. If you're looking for this year's A.J. Brown, it could be Michael Pittman Jr. Um, another guy I wanted to mention is Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow literally just put up like the best college football season I've ever seen from a quarterback. Who's to say he doesn't come into the NFL and just light it up? He has the weapons around him to do it. And he, he's going to throw the ball like a crazy amount. The defense is still bad, and Zach Taylor throws the ball uh, at a quite a high rate. Those are like two guys that I would like to just mention as honorable mentions, if you have any that you wanted to go through as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it would be to the two Steelers, Chase Claypool and Anthony McFarlane. I really like just kind of taking kind of late shot. Chase Claypool, I think, has got a shot to uh, kind of be what the outside guy uh, to Deontay. Even I'm not a huge Deontay Johnson guy. I do love Juju. Uh, so I just would like to see Chase Claypool line it up on the outside, take a shot, see if he can do it. Anthony McFarlane, I just think he's potentially better than James Conner, even though I don't think he's a bell cow. And uh, the last name I would throw out, especially with the Debo news, is Brandon Nayuk. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, it's, it's kind of a shoe-in, but I think – I'm worried about what his ADP is going to do, but I do think he's talented and they did take him in the first round. Yeah. I, I was probably the only person on earth who liked IU coming out of college, but I mean, yeah, I like, like him. I, I liked, I like the way he plays. And I think he's in a great system to, to um, accentuate his, his skill set. but I, I agree. I think his ADP is going to get out of hand and I'm probably not yeah. going to be in on him in at that point because he is a raw, he is a very raw prospect. So I don't expect him to be a, a rookie success. But if anyone can do it, it's Kyle Shanahan, so I don't hate it either. Um, with that said, we're going to get out of here. Make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe. 
uh, comment down below your favorite rookie picks. We'll, uh, we'll respond to those. And if you have any rugs hate for me, then you can take that to my Twitter because I'll roast you in any debate that any, and you should. any kind of rugs uh, debate that there is. So um, without further ado, guys, take care. Have a good Monday. Peace out.